What's happening, hardscapers? This is episode 170 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And today we have an I Am a Hardscaper roundtable. This is where we bring back previous guests from the I Am a Hardscaper series, sit them down in a roundtable format. And we've got three returning guests here. We've got Chris from Three Seasons Landscapes, Greg from Niagara Outdoor, and Landon from Planet Green Landscapes. You can follow all of them on their Instagram handles, the same as their business names there. And I definitely suggest that you do to check out the amazing work that they've got going on over there, as well as just to reach out to connect with them or any of our guests that we have on our show, especially our sponsors. And I would like to thank our two sponsors of today's episode, Inlight Outdoor Lighting. If you need quality outdoor lighting products for your projects, check out Inlight Outdoor Lighting or Inlight Design on Instagram. That's I-N-L-I-T-E Design on Instagram and see the inspiration that you can get from their Instagram page or reach out to them to start the conversation with them. As well as Cycle CPA on Instagram, they're Cycle underscore CPA and you can get great educational content from them on their Instagram page or if you need bookkeeping cfo services or accounting whatever it might be reach out to them and get that conversation started if you mention how to hardscape you can get 200 dollars off their package with that and without further ado let's get into our roundtable today we're joined by three returning guests for an i am a hardscaper round table and we've got three returning guests, all from Ontario, in a very close quarter situation here. So I do really appreciate each and every one of you joining me here. We've got Greg from Niagara Outdoor. Greg, thank you so much for returning for this roundtable. Thanks, Mike, for having us. And then we've got Chris over at Three Seasons Landscapes. Chris, thank you again for joining us. The last time we did a face-to-face, -face. now we're back to virtual here. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And then we've got Landon of Planet Green Landscapes. Landon, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks, Mike. Let's get started here, guys, to kind of give a little bit of context about each of our businesses here. Um, kind of like where you are currently, maybe how many crews you have, or um, you know, any bit of context that you want to give our audience about your business. Let's keep this nice and short. Again, you can go back and listen to each of these guys' episodes. They'll all be linked in the show notes here, as well as their Instagram handles where you can find them. But uh, Chris, do you want to knock us off here and kind of give us a little bit of context about your business, where you find yourself currently? Yeah. So right now, um, in terms of like employee numbers and capacity, we're somewhere around 25 employees. Um, and with that, we run four construction crews, three of which are primarily residential stuff. And then one of which full-time is uh, commercial and municipal work. Um, our business is kind of half, you know, larger scale residential stuff and half commercial and municipal work for different municipalities, um, cities, towns, commercial contractors, that type of thing. Um, so it's kind of funny, like half our revenue takes three times as many people as the other half does. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what keeps the, the wheels turning every day. And then we also do a few other things. Um, we have a contract where we paint and prep uh, fire hydrants for the city of Hamilton. So we have a couple people dedicated to that. We have a few people in the office. So um, that's kind of where, where we're at today. Amazing. Greg, on to Niagara Outdoor. A little bit of context about you, yourself, your business there. 
Yeah, so I'm partners in the business. Uh, there's 21 staff. We have four of us kind of in the office managing, uh, designing estimator to designer and estimators, and four construction crews doing solely, you know, large residential projects, um, and one carpentry crew of, of two guys that kind of float together on the, on the projects that we're that we're doing. So nice. And then on to land and planet green landscapes. Yeah, so I am uh, also partners in, uh, in Planet Green with my business partner, Tom. We are similar size. There's right around 25 of us right now. Uh, we have four construction crews, a pool crew, a maintenance crew, and then some design estimating project management staff. And our focus is primarily um, full property residential landscape and construction, I guess would be the main focus, a lot of pools. and um, projects surrounding those incredible and it's uh all your instagram pages are filled with beautiful photos of the work that you guys do so um not only bringing you when i'm when i'm trying to curate these roundtables i'm trying to get three people that have uh sort of similar business sizes and you know projects that you're taking on as well so uh it just fell into my lap that you know we got three guys from a similar area here in ontario as well and i thought that this would be a great opportunity because more and more i'm getting questions or i'm getting comments uh with the podcast around a impending recession and with the size of your guys businesses i thought that this would be a good way to start things off in terms of your thoughts around uh, a recession and what you think that might look like in our industry but also for your businesses do you guys have a game plan do you guys try to you know get ahead of these things in terms of a action plan if a recession was to limit the amount of demand for our work uh or are you guys kind of like full steam ahead on your vision that you've created regardless of you know what happens in the market just thoughts in general about anything that I said there. Anybody want to kind of kick things off with that? Who wants I think Landon should start with that since his business started during the year of a recession. Yeah, I don't know if that qualifies me to to answer. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know if I know what I'm doing now. But <laughs> um, my thoughts on it are: I believe it's inevitable. Um, I'm definitely no economist, but you know, you can only inflate money so much, have interest rates increase so much, um, print money so much before it comes time to pay the piper. So I, I, I think it's inevitable. I think some of the signs are there. I'm not sure what it's going to look like because as we all know in this industry, there's such a huge demand for work that we can, if we were operating at 100% capacity and it was kind of just the demand that was there and we couldn't afford to have any less demand, it would be a lot more concerning. But I think everybody um, in our industry has way more demand than they can handle with labor shortages and everything. So we could probably handle a reasonable amount. That said, I'm um, internally, we're still planning for, you know, we've run some hypotheticals as far as revenue reductions and what that would look like. And I don't know if you want to get into sort of what planning looks like, or maybe the other guys can kind of give their thoughts on the overall state of it before uh, jumping into that. Yeah, Chris, do you want to, you know, do you have any, do your thoughts kind of align with what Landon said there? Do they differ in any way? 
Yeah, I think for the most part they do. I mean, like he said, and, you know, as any other landscaper, especially in this area can attest to, you know, there's way more work and opportunity out there than anybody can feasibly, you know, manage and get done in a, in a year or a year and a half timeframe. Um, not to mention the labor shortage as Landon talked about as well. Um, I think for us, like, you know, we haven't really run any specific hypothetical scenarios, but for us, we kind of know, you know, we're flexible in terms of the work avenues and how we're getting work and what type of work we're doing. So, you know, maybe in a recession, some of the residential stuff kind of tapers off in terms of our clients, but we could easily just make that up on the commercial and municipal side. Um, obviously, you know, we might have to do things like lower profit margins or lay off a couple guys or sell a couple trucks. But I mean, we would kind of keep trucking forward, even if we had to downsize a little bit, just as anybody else would, I think so. Overall, I'm not super concerned. I think uh, we're established enough now where there's there's different opportunities and um, different ways to get around problems. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned uh, actually when you were talking about the context of your business that, you know, that that side of the business really keeps the wheels turning. Was that really intentional for you to establish three, three seasons landscapes like this to like kind of diversify to be able to, you know, withstand, say, market trends? Um, I don't know if that's what we intended when we, when we started, um, like, you know, like Landon said, I think there's some days where I still don't know if I know what I'm doing every day. I think everyone has that. Um, but I'd say it's, you know, the forefront of, of our business in the past couple of years with the pandemic is trying to, you know, diversify ourselves so that no matter what happens in the future, um, you know, we're, we're kind of set up and there's different avenues and revenue streams coming in um, so that we could, you know, downsize one side of the business if we had to increase the other size or downsize both, but at least there's still work and revenue coming in. Um, so it's definitely not something we planned from the start, but I think as the pandemic kind of progressed, it's something that we're, we're mindful of moving forward, especially over the next five years or so. Gotcha. Greg, what about yourself? Any differing thoughts or very similar kind of mindset there? Yeah, similar. I, I think you got to be aware of what's to come. Um, recently, I was talking with, you know, a local design and um, and architect firm, and they'd said in the past you know, year or so, they've had, you know, three calls a day for jobs they want to quote. And these are larger projects. And now they're getting three calls a week. So you're starting to see some of that slow down in relation to interest rates and all that. Um, sometimes it's like, yeah, is the COVID boom slowing down a bit too, right? Like all these people's vacations budgets that have been so good to us the last couple of years, you know, they're, they're traveling back to Disneyland, right? So is that, uh, going to see some of that and, and how much does that affect it? But in, as far as the recession and all that, I think there's, there's definitely going to be uh, people tightening up their, their spending over the next uh, few years. And when that's going to hit, like they said, we don't have the crystal ball, but uh, need to be aware and preparing your business, you know, with, with your budgeting and, and knowing your numbers and putting inflation and materials. I mean, they've, they've, they've been a struggle the last couple of years and you know, at least the slowdown of those price increases or fuel surcharges seem to be slowing down a little bit. But uh, yeah, you just got to be uh, aware of yeah, you still got 25 uh, families to feed on your staff and all that. So making sure that, that you're, you're planning accordingly, right? Yeah, I think I think there's so many different factors to really consider. Like you mentioned, people's vacation budgets, like now that things are opening up, 
maybe they're starting to, you know, take those vacations as opposed to putting it into their backyard spaces. But also like this is the time of year, at least personally in my business, where calls do start to decrease and then they pick up again come come fall. So it's kind of like the perfect time to be like, is this the start of a recession decreasing the demand for our work or is this just like a normal you know what this is a, a slower time that we start to get calls at least that's my thought process on that uh lynn and you mentioned like forecasting where, where does that start in your business like um what are you doing to forecast and what are you looking at personally in your business so our main like tracker is just revenue um it's not an exact science but we can determine pretty much how, based on how much revenue we do, we can determine how many people we'll need, how many people we keep busy based on how things have gone year over year. So we just looked at, you know, if you were to dial that revenue right back, what expenses would you save on? And so a big part of it for us is, you know, it's the recurring expenses, things like your insurance, your whatever, without listing them all, right? All those payments you make monthly or whatever else. Because you can stop spending money if things get tight, but those things that you have to keep paying for your subscriptions and everything else, what that looks like. And um, I just find that landscaping is such a high overhead business. That's why we have to bill our crews out um, or so as much as we do. And you can make good margins doing it. But if you go two months running those same expenses, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month when you're not bringing the money in. And if you react a little bit too late, it's unbelievable how much money you could bleed out. So yeah, without itemizing sort of the entire strategy, I mean, we're, we run very low debt our trucks and, and stuff we have paid for. So we don't really have a lot of monthly payments there. Payroll's obviously the biggest one. Um, and particularly your overhead staff, people that aren't, aren't billable and our main objective would be to keep our people take care of them so that's kind of the biggest um, focus for us is you know what how bad would things have to get before we have to revisit you know how many people we employ and um yeah it's not something we've spent you know hundreds of hours on or anything it's just we just run some simulations just to kind of get a sense of it because right now it's just so busy so crazy unlimited amount of work coming in that the focus doesn't come off come sorry the focus isn't so much as about running tight as it is about just getting things done and you can get away with spending a little bit too much money um and then i just look at the housing market for example obviously a different thing but when people think there's not enough houses out of there out there they overspend on them they're not doing their proper research. They're not doing their inspections, everything else. And things are just flying off the market. And I feel like there's a bit of a correlation between that and what's been happening in landscaping for the last couple of years. People would hire, if they couldn't get the contract that they wanted, they'd hire whoever would show up and do it. So you don't have to be that careful with your pricing and everything else. Obviously, we still strive to be, but there's flexibility there. Well, now, like if you look at some of the charts for home, like home sales, it has just dive bombed and it could recover again. I don't know all this stuff, but it does make me think, okay, if that could happen there, what's to stop it from happening with us? And if it does, yes, there's always going to be some people that still spend money, but I've never competed against Greg for a job that I'm aware of. Um, 
Chris and I, in, in all our years in business and knowing each other, maybe once or twice we've crossed paths, you know, where, and then it's usually very, you know, we're having an open conversation about it. But what happens if there's one job on the table and there's 10 landscape companies that want it? Everybody starts, you know, looking for the way that they can do it the cheapest so that they can get there. If that's what it comes down to for that client, that's what you're going to have to do to try to keep people busy. And I just think that's a kind of light switch that could be flipped and things that we've never experienced before could happen. Hopefully it doesn't, but that's kind of in the back of my mind. Lots, lots of great thoughts there. And I do think that, you know, um, actually I won't get into my thoughts here because, uh, Chris or Greg, any, anything that, uh, you know, that you're doing to forecast what may happen in your business or, uh, financials wise, or even like any similar or differing thoughts that, that Landon shared there. Yeah, I just build on on Landon's point there at the end as far as, yeah, so we're geographically, I'm a half an hour away from you guys. And yeah, we haven't crossed paths. I got nothing but respect for you. Um, I feel like we're, yeah, on that similar scale. I see the projects you guys are doing and yeah, inspired to do similar similar work and feel like we're, we're almost there or there, right? So, um, but yeah, when the dust settles and, and this huge demand slows down a little bit, it's going to differentiate the guys that have just been going out there and doing the work and not, you know, having that attention to detail or as professional or whatever it is. Right. Like, I think that's going to definitely uh, differentiate the, the, the successful landscapers and, and the ones that aren't, you know, gouging prices or taking advantage of things or just fly by nighters. And, and we've been, you know, we're in it for the long haul. We, you know, take care of our, our clients and our staff and, and all that stuff. So I think once the, once the dust settles on, on COVID or a recession, it's going to really, you know, differentiate the, the landscapers out there in the industry. Chris, what about yourself? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point you made. I've kind of always said that throughout the pandemic is like, you know, there's 75 other landscape companies that started just because anybody with a truck and a wheelbarrow and a shovel could probably get, 20 projects tomorrow. Um, Cause like Landon said, there's a certain time there where homeowners weren't willing to wait or, you know, go through the proper process. They were just, you know, looking to have it done tomorrow type thing because they were all working from home and they just wanted a space right away. So I think sometimes some of those situations ended up in uh, the homeowners hiring less than ideal contractors and definitely contractors that aren't going to be around for, you know, more than five years or something. Um, so I think it will differentiate and, and separate us in a, in a good way as, you know, everyone was probably separated before. Um, so I think as long as everybody's, you know, still has their eye on longevity and growth and taking care of, of clients, as I know everybody at, you know, this round table does, I think, uh, we'll all be fine in the long run. And I think those smaller, you know, fly by nighters are going to drop off at some point. Um, but uh, in terms of like planning that we're doing, um, there's really not too much other than what I touched on before, just kind of, you know, in the back of our minds, having a, a plan and yeah, looking at revenue a little bit. And, you know, I think in October, November this year, we'll have a better sense of what next year will look like, because I'm sure like everybody else, we're starting to book lots of things into next year and next summer. Um, and on a typical year, especially in the last two to three years, you know, by October, November, you can kind of shape up what, you know, half your next year looks like at least. Um, so I think in a couple months from now, we'll be able to see, Hey, are we booked into June, July next year? Or are we only booked into like April? Um, you know, cause people are scared to spend money or waiting to see what happens over the winter. 
So um, for us, I mean, it's, you know, one, one um, interesting avenue that we have to kind of judge what's going on in the market in terms of what other contractors are doing is a lot of the public tenders that we bid on for different municipalities. And over the past couple of years, you know, some of those would only have five or six plan takers and there might be three or four bids that were all fairly close. Well, to give you an example, we got results back this morning of one that we went pretty hard after uh, for the town of Oakville. And there was like 19 plan takers and 19 bids submitted. And we were third, I think. Um, but the low bid was like less than um, like 30% of the second uh, guy's price. So we were all at like 275K or something. And this guy was down at like 60K. So it's like, we always judge that as well. Like how hard are, are these smaller companies willing to go at stuff and how much money are they willing to lose to keep their guys busy? So on that side of things, we're definitely seeing more and more of that every month that goes by. Um, so there's definitely some companies out there that are short of work or realizing they're going to be short of work and they're trying to, you know, buy all these jobs to at least keep their guys busy. So something's coming. I, I don't know what it is or who it's going to affect, but we're just kind of taking it day by day. I'm not as excited about that uh, commercial job I just landed for 60k this morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, really interesting insight, to to be honest. And uh, you touched on the contractors that have been able to get any type of job during these past two years, and um, just because I started my business and still do have a good foot in the repair maintenance side of things for hardscapes, the number of backyards that people have reached out to me that are just disasters because either the contractor's gone out of business they got way in over their head uh those leads have skyrocketed for me so i think you know there's going to be still tons of work regardless of if we go through a recession or even on the other side of a recession the amount of uh poor quality work that demand kind of couldn't couldn't uh the good contractors couldn't really take on has just been uh really sad to see at least uh in the service the areas that i service there uh debt came up when one of you guys were talking are you guys taking a foot off of the pedal in terms of taking on debt are you guys in general just debt adverse uh what are your feelings around debt right now uh, with what may be coming up there. And I'll kind of reverse this order here. Greg, do you want to kick us off in terms of your debt strategy right now, your thoughts around debt right now? Has it has it changed because of a, a recession possibly coming? Yeah, we've always ran it pretty lean, I guess, whether it's our equipment or our vehicles, right? Like not just going out there and spending money that you don't have to make some money. Um, I know that's maybe some people's strategy, but yeah, we've always kind of, you know, lived within our means and, and bought stuff that we can afford and, and all that, right? There's obviously, yeah, some necessity and some equipment that you need, but yeah, just just being uh, mindful and, and knowing what the cost of these things are and what the return of the investment are on them. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say that we were spending more and now we're taking it back a little bit. We're just kind of yeah, just kind of stay in, stay in the course, I guess, in, in the in the interim here. Nice. Chris, what about yourself? Uh, debt, thoughts around that in, in this time? Um, I mean, we pretty much lease everything that we have in terms of trucks and machines and stuff to keep everything new and shiny and less downtime and repair bills. Um, 
So in terms of like debt, I guess, if you would call that, it's always pretty high. Um, but it's also easier for us to, you know, offload something if things slow down and we need to get rid of a couple of machines or trucks. Um, but in terms of like big purchases and stuff, we're definitely uh, being mindful of, of that stuff, trying not to pull the trigger too quick on stuff that, you know, yeah, maybe we need it, you know, this year, but do we really need it again next year? Or is it something we can rent? Um, so we're trying to slow down on that a little bit. Um, but uh, another business that I own with somebody else, we just bought two triaxle trucks. So that's not really good on the debt service ratio side of things, but that'll, uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> Sometimes things just come up uh, that gives you that opportunity to, to pull the trigger on them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Landon, how about yourself with debt? Yeah. So my business partner and I have always been very sort of debt adverse, kind of came from some of the people around us that we knew, whether they had good experiences or bad experiences, but it's kind of um, something that we were really warned about. So now that we've been doing it for, um, you know, 13 I keep saying 13 years. I hope that's right. It's, it's right around there. Um, but anyways, now we've been doing it for that long. You know, the money that we've made in the business, that's money that could be taken out, invested in other things in different ways. And we've, we've always sort of used that to um, go back into the business so we own our trucks and stuff outrightly. So that if we're going to have nice stuff, we know that we own it. We know if it's sitting there, it's not, um, it's not ideal, but it's, it's not costing us. We're not losing on it every month. And so from that standpoint, I mean, that part of it is comfortable. It's not probably the wisest way as far as like leveraging your ability to, you could make a lot more if you took every loan people gave you and put that money into other things, but it's just something that we're comfortable with. And now we've kind of been waiting for this recession. Like, I don't know, my dad was a contractor and he mentioned like about some of these awful recessions they went through. So that was like my biggest fear was, you know, you could do everything quote unquote, right. And then there's nothing to do. And, and what do you do at that point? So I've always kind of had it in the back of my mind. Now, like I said, I, I think it's getting closer and closer to what extent that is. I'm not sure, but um, keeping debt low and or like Chris mentioned, he has the, he goes the, the leasing route, which um, makes perfect sense too. It's everyone has their own way of doing it, but if, if it's leased, unless you have some insane buyback that you are on the hook for, if you don't need it, you send it back to them. I don't look at that as debt or liability. I think that's just um, good business. I, I think where it gets a little bit scary is people who love the shiny things like most of us do, but don't have the self-control to, because anyone, anything that you can get your hands on right now, you'll, they'll give you the credit for it and everything else. And that's where, um, yeah, you're stuck with a, a bunch of truck and equipment payments and everything that just work when things are great, when things aren't so great. That's a scary position to be in because then there's going to be a lot of people sending trucks back and then the value of them goes down and then you can't offload them. And that's that whole, basically the reverse of the whole cycle we're seeing now where everything, everyone's overpaying for everything. So um, yeah, we just try to be careful with that. So keep our debt low, own the things that we have. And then, like I mentioned earlier, um, just look at the difference between purchasing things and things that you're on the hook for month over month, ongoing expenses. And uh, we haven't altered anything greatly at this point in time, but we are, it's worked its way into our project projections as far as purchasing and stuff. 
Chris touched on the point there of, of, you know, keeping the trucks clean and professional. And I think yeah, we're all on that same level of being this, you know, high end kind of luxury landscaper. So yeah, you need to have those trucks and, and the uniforms and all that stuff that costs money to, to present yourself in the type of company that you are. Right. So yeah, whether you're going to, you know, amortize those trucks over, you're going to turn them over every seven or eight years or, or what is that number? Right. So uh, those maintenance costs become become higher the longer you hold on to them for obviously right so just knowing knowing those numbers and and what is your what is your goal with those things and how, what's your return on investment when you can sell it in five years versus eight years or you run the thing into the ground and it's paid off and it's just your shop equipment or whatever it is right so there's definitely different ways of doing it but yeah you you certainly got to uh, have an understanding of the value of these things right Chris, can you uh, explain why you go the leasing route? Because I think that could be really valuable to somebody listening in and trying to figure out what they might do with uh, trucks. Yeah, I mean, so for us, like when we first started out, like anybody else, obviously you can't have the, the nicest, shiniest thing. So you kind of get what you can afford and what you can buy in cash or, you know, with a small loan and um, you kind of make that work. But we did that for a few years and it got to a point where we were running so hard and, and growing so fast that it's like, you know, we'd get some mechanic bills every couple months for like one truck repair. And it was like $6,000 or something. And then I look at a lease payment that's like a thousand bucks or less every month. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We're paying six to $10,000 for a major repair on a truck. That's only worth, you know, 20 or 25 grand. And then it's, you know, going to be another four months and then we're going to have the same repair again. So we kind of, you know, over a two-year span or three-year span, switched from having, you know, everything that we owned um, to selling that off or running it into the ground, and then kind of growing with leases and and new trucks and new equipment. Um, and basically, my standpoint on that and why it's good for us is because, um, you know, after five or six years of of having like a landscape dump truck or or my pickup truck, um, it's probably going to be at the point where you know we don't want it because it's going to start accumulating large repair bills or it's right at the point where it still has a ton of value for resale purposes or to to give to somebody else. Um, And then we can get something new that's still nice and shiny, but has, you know, zero kilometers on it or the newest one with different features or whatever Um, in terms of trucks anyways. And in terms of machines, it's kind of the same thing. Like it's almost an investment for us where, you know, we're pretty heavy on the, um, the lease payments for a few years, but then, you know, as it gets towards the end and you buy it out or, you know, you're, you're done paying for it. Um, basically then we can reassess our business and, you know, let's say that we had a bunch of wheel skid steers and, you know, now we need all track machines. Well, we can kind of end those leases, get into something new that's more suited for our business at that time, rather than being stuck with, a piece of equipment that we've invested all this money in to over the years and repairs and stuff. And we feel tied to keeping it. Um, so it kind of helps us, you know, uh, manage growth and expectations and kind of be flexible in terms of the type of work we do. Um, and to be honest, it's just nice not having to worry about trucks or, or equipment or breakdowns or anything, you know, anytime we go to the mechanics or send something to the equipment place to get repaired, it's, um, you know, 500 bucks, 700 bucks, that type of thing. So super manageable overhead expense and it allows us to have a a nice fleet of equipment that looks good and hopefully matches the work that we do or the work that we want to try and do. 
I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at cyclecpa.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. We also want to say thank you to Inlight for sponsoring today's episode. Did you know that one of the easiest ways to grow your hardscape business and increase your revenue is by incorporating low voltage outdoor lighting to your projects? Using lighting can take your projects to the next level, make you more profit and add that wow factor and make your business stand out. As a professional hardscaper, we know you need reliable and high quality products to avoid callbacks and wasted time on job sites. That's why Inlight offers some of the highest quality lights and is the quickest system to install on the market. Their patented easy lock connector ensures that lighting will be the easiest thing you install every time. No heavy lifting, no massive machinery, just plug and play. Not only that, but InLight also provides many educational resources like online and in-person training, installation videos, unbeatable customer support, and more. Everything you need to successfully take your business to the next level with outdoor lighting and beyond. It's one of the many reasons why I stand behind InLight and many other companies that provide these educational resources to their clients, to contractors, and to help us grow our businesses. So for more information on how InLight can help grow your business, check them out on Instagram at InlightDesign. That's at I-N-L-I-T-E Design on Instagram. DM them to find out how to put more money in your pocket this season. Dude, I'm, I'm just going to ask this question and let anybody who wants to take it, uh, take it on because I, I don't know. But um, do you, do any of you guys really take a hard look at the clientele that you're taking on in terms of like, what they do personally uh in terms of their careers just thinking like which careers are a little bit more recession proof or which which people are actually paying for these jobs in cash rather than taking out loans because uh perhaps those people taking out loans won't be in the same uh ability to be able to take that out loan out say a couple months down the road if things start to get really bad. Do you guys take a hard look at the clientele that you're typically serving? Or is that more so something that, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll just ask, what are your thoughts around that and in, in seeing the uh, the people that you're actually servicing in your business? We're all too polite just to start talking, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go if nobody else is, is jumping in first. I mean, I think we always pay attention to some degree to your, your demographic that you're serving. Um, as far as who you target, like when I picture things going south, uh, just because we keep talking about this recession. So we have a, um, a lot of clients who are doctors, for example. And um, 
they're they're obviously not worried about a recession. They've got their guaranteed jobs and everything else. We have some clients who are business owners, um, varying degrees, depending on what industry. Like to actually like look, okay, this guy is in the plastics industry. This guy's here, and look, I, it's not so much like that. I would say our the overall picture for us, we work with a couple of custom home builders that work for very high end clientele who are going to have money regardless of what happens. So you know that there should be a certain amount of, of work that continues there. One thing we also saw in the last couple of years is, you know, we used to build a three, $400,000 backyard for those people that built this big business and have all this money. And suddenly we're building them for two high school teachers that their house value doubled. They pulled a giant line of credit and they're spending said three or $400,000. Like that used to be something reserved for people that had boatloads of money. And now it's someone whose house just kind of appreciated in a year. And they're like, why not? I think that stuff's going to disappear pretty fast. Um, long answer to your short question as per usual with me. But um, as far as knowing the clientele, it's just something I'm more aware of. But it's kind of, it, person by person, it changes year over year. But there's, there's like the people that you know are going to be okay, that are probably still going to have things done. And there's a good portion of the clientele that, you know, they're probably going to say, hey, let's wait and see how this thing rides out before we uh, make one of the biggest investments of our life. Chris or Greg, any any thoughts on that? Or um, has that come up more and more often uh, in your business, trying to think about that a little bit more? Or yeah, just thoughts in general? I've always taken an interest in, in what the clients that we're working for do for a living and how they realize their success. And but uh, I haven't ever thought of it to, because the thought that are they, am I worried that they're going to pay their bill? Um, I, I think Landon had a good point there. Yeah, those, whether it's the housing market or what's allowed these people to, to obviously frugously spend on their backyards. Um, we just, yeah, same thing, finished a job uh, where the husband and wife were both doctors and the other crews on the job were the one's a school teacher and the wife's not a stay-at-home wife, right? So you're just wondering, hey, where's the money Where's the money coming from? But as long as the check's clear, um, we're, we're always worried, more concerned. And yeah, is this client, you know, the ideal client is the, the job that they're asking for, one that's going to continue to grow our business on the path we want to go. Right. Like, so I think, uh, yeah, you always take an interest in, in what they do for a living. Um, but I don't go there myself on those sales meetings from the start. So I don't know if uh, they're actually asking the question there or not what they all do for a living. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you can kind of get a sense when you're uh, qualifying your leads as to, hey, is this person going to just be nitpicking every single little thing? Um, well, yeah, when you're trying to strive for these for these high end projects, um, price when you send the uh, when you send a quote and does a lot of the speaking too right so chris what about yourself with your and you're you're dealing with also commercial on your end too yeah i think um our residential clients it's probably pretty similar like people who've established their wealth over you know a decently long period of time whether it's um being a doctor or a teacher or some sort of business owner um i find that most of the clients we work for and the referrals we get from them, they're all pretty similar. I mean, it's all people that are like, you know, 30 or 35 to 55 years old um, who've built businesses since they were younger, or maybe they came into some family money and, and used that smartly in, in terms of investments or something. Um, I feel like most of our residential clients and people that we hope to work for in the future, um, 
you know, the only thing I could see happening in the future or even a little bit right now on a couple of projects that we have for the fall um, is like, you know, these people are still going to do something, you know, maybe they're still going to do a pool, a cabana, a patio, but maybe they scale back on the outdoor kitchen or they scale back on the fire pit or like the landscape lighting. So they're still going to spend money. I think, I think they always will. They're just going to be a little bit more budget conscious of like, Hey, this is our budget. We don't really want to be too much over it. So let's scale back on all these, these options and extras um, that are kind of like the nice to haves per se. Um, Cause one thing that we saw over the past few years, and I'm sure everybody else here did too, is like every client was doing like everything possible. It's like, we want lighting, irrigation, kitchens, pool, hot tub, like any option you can have in your backyard. Like they were just, yep, yep, yep. Let's do it. Whereas now, you know, everything's still going ahead, but I think stuff we're booking into next year, we're seeing a lot of like, well, let's sign up for the main stuff and we'll let you know on the outdoor kitchen or um, the landscape lighting or something in the spring as we get closer and see how things are. Um, but we definitely do, we definitely do vet our clients a lot. Um, I think like anybody else here, you get that vibe. If you want to work for those people or not within, you know, the first 30 seconds of talking to them um, and maybe some follow-up emails after you send the quote. But, um, you know, most of our clients, I think, are pretty similar demographic to, to everybody else here. Um, on the commercial and municipal side, it's a little bit different because we're, you know, kind of trying to develop relationships with as many different local municipalities as possible. Um, but on the general contractor side, there's definitely a handful of commercial or you know ICI GCs that we love to work for and there's a handful that you know we don't really want to work for either because of personal experiences or things we've heard from other sub trades either about not getting paid or the project being a pain or this or that so the commercial side is somewhat similar to the residential side um, you just have a little bit less choice in terms of like your clientele and, and how much you got them and who you work for. No, I do want to get to a, a brighter topic with you guys and uh, turning the page on discussing what may happen. Let's talk about what has already happened for you guys with the demand that we've experienced these past couple of years or even just this year in general. What's something in your business that you've accomplished that you're super proud about? whether that's with employees that have accomplished something that you've been working them up to, or just something in your business that you've established that has really helped you in your business systems that you've put in place that you're super proud about. But yeah, whether that's, you know, in the past two years with the demand that you've been to level up your business in some way, or that's just something this year that has happened that you've finally been able to overcome. So whether that's a struggle or a goal that you've accomplished, uh, what is that in your business that has uh, really got you motivated? And that's thrown out there to whoever who wants to uh, start us off with that question there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we recently inst instilled this kind of monthly incentive program uh, for our staff. Again, it goes relates back to the labor shortage, but it's something that, you know, it's a, maybe it's a minor token of appreciation, but it's you know, a board that we have in our office, um, the guys see it every morning and we do our roll call and it's, it's kind of separate from attendance. It has, you know, their attendance, their uniform, vehicle inspection reports are getting handed in daily. They're clocked into our LMN software. They got notes and photos. Like there's 10 criteria there, job safety, job site cleanliness. They're doing their PO orders, like all that stuff that they're expected to do on a daily basis. 
um, we've got implemented that in a program that we're hey paying out you know a uh, hundred bucks a head or you know everyone on the crew gets it you get another fifty dollars or it's it's just something just to show appreciation to the guys um, to to get that kind of you know engagement from from your staff and to keep them hungry I guess right so um, hey let's face it the the people that we have on our team like to stay for the long haul they got to be passionate about it and you got to treat them good so. It was, a, it was a goal of mine to kind of start this program this year and we, we've rolled it out. Actually, this is today's the end of the month there. So we'll be paying that tomorrow. Um, it's the first month that we've done it. So it's uh, it's going to have some growing pains and you get the feedback from the guys and and guys that don't get it or, you know, a little ticked off. Right. But but they can actually see that board and they can see where they've missed out on and what they need to improve on. So I think it's been well received for the most part. And uh something that we want to continue to build on and and perfect the system and, and make it something that uh, sticks around for the long term and just yeah just thank you and, and reward for these guys for for the daily grind that they, they put in for us all that's really interesting greg that's very much so like uh not not project milestone based but actually like the the small things like showing up to work on time and, and like you said like the safety checks and everything like that um is is that right right it's not yep, so no, much project totally. based. All, yeah yeah so then they would have their kind of you know year-end kind of annual bonus that's based on you know our company's profit and you know their individual performance on their job you know, we track them throughout the year on a crew basis and each crew kind of gets divvied up separately there but uh yeah like there's they're just you know minimizing damage and and work safety those are just yeah some of the other criteria on there so it's just a day-to-day -day thing that um yeah, if someone doesn't hand in their vehicle inspection report. Well, like you got to do it because you're going to get a ticket if you don't do it. So you should be doing it for your own good. And it's the law and all that stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it's stuff they should be doing and, and they're required to do. So it just kind of keeps them honest. And it was something where it's like, OK, hey, maybe the foreman is more responsible for these things. But hey, if someone's, you know, maybe showing up a little late, then, you know, the other, the other guy can on the crew, you're kind of working as a team, as a unit, as a cohesive unit. So hey, someone can fill out the, respect, the inspection book, but you know the, the, the laborer or the lead hand can grab it from the truck and hand it in the folder in the morning, right? So um, it's to get everyone you know, working together and, and those common goals. And if everyone's doing that, then everything else should be kind of falling into place. So that's the, that's the thought process, I guess, right? So. I really like that. I really like the uh, focusing on the small things there to make sure that those are those are getting done and having an incentive program around something like that. Uh, Landon, what about yourself? Anything uh, in your business? I was listening to what Greg was saying there. I think it's really cool. It's a, a great idea. I think most companies try to incentivize in different ways. It's something that um, organized and talk about it being little things, but the way you do little things is the way you do big things. So I think... Um, I think it's a really cool idea. I can see that being well received for ourselves. I mean, to say, is there, is there something like that's really, that we're really proud of? I don't know. I'm proud of a lot of things that our, our people are doing and stuff. I don't know if there's one thing that really jumps out um, from a professional or business owner level. I am really proud of the fact that we've turned this from just being a bunch of guys landscaping to like an actual business where we have, people here with careers now where they can make a great living and take a lot of pride in what they do. Um, not a very 
flashy answer, but that is like, as far as like the reward that I feel for that is, is, um, significant. And then just the overall, we've got just some unbelievable people here who just want to be great and seeing those people get better. Um, you know, pushing designs to the next level, build quality, everything else, the client interactions. I think I'm just in general, I'm proud of the fact that, uh, that we get to work with those people and, and they're excited about what we're doing. And, um, it's just very rewarding in general. So kind of a broad answer, but no, I think that's huge. I think that's huge that, uh, you know, you discuss actually making careers for your people. I think uh, that's something that's like e- easily overlooked as somebody comes in as a laborer to kind of, uh, and I, I know Chris and I, we discussed this on our interview together, uh, actually having some sort of, you know, game plan for these people to level up their careers. Chris, what about you yourself? Uh, anything, any big milestones in your business that you've accomplished? Any goals? Anything like that in the past two years or even this year? Um, I think similar to Landon, like in general, I'm just really proud of everybody here and how we've been able to grow um, over the past few years and continue to grow. Um, I'm proud of what guys are able to do and see them learning every day and excelling in different things. Um, Specifically, I think I'm kind of proudest of how we've been able to transition from, you know, kind of just a residential landscaper a few years ago into like, you know, a lot of our business now is doing stuff for different cities and doing stuff where we can really help out communities and see the impact of, you know, creating a new park development where there wasn't one before and seeing how all the kids in the neighborhood love it and um, really helping the the different areas and demographics um, that are in some of those different areas. So I think I'm kind of proud of like where we've come from and where we're we're headed to over the next few years Um, and just some of the cool and neat projects we're given the, uh, the opportunity to do um you know for different uh cities and different communities and um it's neat to just be able to drive by stuff every day and reminisce on you know oh we built that two years ago and it's going to be here for another 75 years or 50 years so kind of build those like legacy projects where you know it's some somewhere i can take my kids in the future and um kind of explain the process of how we built it and and see everybody else enjoying it and i i want to lots of like employee centric uh, answers from you guys from incentive programs to like creating careers for these guys to even taking pride in the community around you in where you're working. So with the labor market the way it is, I want to ask each of you guys, why why would somebody come work for Niagara Outdoor? Why would somebody come work for Three Seasons Landscapes? Why should somebody come work for Planet Green Landscapes? Like what what uh I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it as simple as possible to let you guys kind of take that away and uh, provide an answer to that. Like, what is it about your businesses that you think you've got um, a great place for employees to come work for you, whether that's like a roadmap to a career and what that might look like, or whether that's, you know, something um, as simple as, you know, taking pride in the work that you do as I know all three of you do in the businesses that you've created around them. And I'm specifically asking you three guys this because you do have those, you know, 20 plus employee businesses. So it's evident that with the time that you've been around, you've been able to retain employees. So there has to be a good reason 
to come work for you guys. Uh, Greg, do you want to kick things off here? Why should somebody come work for Niagara Outdoor? It's funny because we had this exact conversation with like two of our foremen or it was one specifically yesterday because it was a rainy afternoon and they finished up early and they came in the office and we're doing some planning meetings and and we straight up are having a conversation and then we asked them like, you know, we're, we're working on budget and, you know, making sure everyone's getting a healthy raise and stuff for next year. And, and we said, you know, Mark, why are you, why, what, why, what keeps you here? What are you, why are you uh, not going somewhere else and making 45 bucks an hour being a foreman rather than the 30 and change you're making with us, right? Like, and, you know, some of the answers that we were getting was that, yeah, you're, you, you know, you treat them like family and they, they feel appreciated. You know, they, they realize that, hey, you could maybe go somewhere for somewhere else and make some more money and, and get a pension and, and, I think some of the things that he was saying was that he's seen the growth that we've had. He's been with us, this particular guy's been with us for seven or eight years and been a foreman the whole time. And now he's seen the the growth of the equipment and the vehicles and the job sizes and scale of the projects. So yeah, he he sees that there's potential from for growth there. And you know, maybe there's an opportunity for him to become a, a project manager from the foreman that he is there. So I think that's important for, for people to to realize they're not just kind of stuck in this, you know, job or you're not going to be, you know, you're going to have a ceiling or top out at your pay rate. Right. So, um, yeah, we want to make sure that they, they feel like a family and, and they're growing with us and, you know, the convenience and being part of the community. One of our goals is just to do like Chris mentioned, you know, some, some more community stuff, whether it's a, you know, a home makeover of a front yard for someone in our community uh, just to give back and, you know, some that's kind of a goal in our mind. I was hoping to do it this year. I don't know if it's actually going to come to fruition, but it might be next year. Everyone in the office is Greg, it's not going to happen this year. So we'll see. But um, yeah, just uh, doing things that, that are keeping them engaged and, and doing our best to, to be the, the good employer that you, that you, you want to be, right? So. And rolling out programs like that incentive program, I'm sure is something that, you know, gets, I, I always like talking about incentive programs because you can, you know, create uh, an environment for employees to want to be better and to um, gamify it sort of to make them seem like, you know, uh, if they check mark the boxes, they, they reach a milestone with that. Is that visual? For them to see where everybody's at, Greg, they're, they're, that incentive program, like daily for them to like check off a box or how do you yeah. make that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, really got cool. a, it's a big board and it's got magnets on it. And yeah, it starts off the month and everyone's got for all their criteria. Everyone's got it. Um, so yeah, everyone will have it fresh tomorrow being the first. And uh, yeah, some guys are joking. Oh, this feels like we're in kindergarten or something like that. And I get in stars, but I think, you know, feedback we've had for the most part. Yeah. The guys understand, Hey, there, there's, stuff you're asking is stuff we should be doing in, in the first in the first place so hey the fact that you're rewarding us or giving us a little extra is, is great right so um yeah that's it's going good and going good so far i'd like to think um, nice and uh chris what about you yourself three seasons landscape why should somebody come work for you i think uh it's pretty pretty similar to uh what you just said there um you know it's making sure the guys are happy, making sure that everybody is, you know, financially taken care of. And I think a lot of the reason why guys do stay with us is because they've been here for a long time and they can see that growth. They can see the improvements. They see the the mistakes and the corrections and um, they're, they're also a big part of it. Um, so I think they, they really like that as well because they feel like they have a, 
you know, a decent chunk of the pie where, you know, they can take definitely some responsibility for the success that we've had and hopefully the continued success of, you know, for years to come. Um, so I think they just want to be a part of that and see how everything plays out. Um, and they've been able to see that, you know, kind of similar to what Landon said a while ago, um, we kind of started as just a bunch of guys, you know, landscaping. And now it's kind of a, a business where we can offer people careers. And, you know, if you want to be here for five years, great. If you want to be here for 25 years, great. Um, Cause we're going to, we're not going anywhere and um, we're going to continue incentivizing things hopefully. And um, you know, it's a big family. I mean, a lot of our employees thankfully have come from referrals from other guys we've had or referrals from past clients or that type of thing. Um, so they're already kind of pre-screened or vetted where we know we probably want them on our team. So then it's just about interviewing them and offering them something that's going to secure them um, to being here versus somewhere else. Um, but I mean, anyone around us in the Ancaster, Hamilton area, for the most part, like of companies that are a similar size, like any of us are basically the same, right? Like we have the same incentives. We have the same pay rates, roughly. We do similar quality work for the most part. Um, so it's, it's tough to distinguish between some companies around here. So I don't know what the, uh, the benefit is of working for us versus, you know, either of you guys or, or you know, five or six other similar companies, but I can kind of just say, you know, that we've been able to retain pretty much everybody that we want to retain. Um, so hopefully we continue finding a way to do that. And then on to Landon there. <laughs> I had a lot of time to think about this and I still don't have a great answer for you. I, one thing that sticks out to me is when we interview people, people love to tell you all the things they can do. And oh, I ran this and I can do this. And, and we always tell people like, you're not going to fool us. You might fool us like right now, but long-term we're going to know pretty quickly if you are who you say you are. So like the all-stars separate themselves very quickly by their timeliness, their attention to um, detail, willingness to learn all those things. So I would say a reason for the pe- a person who would, would be a good fit at Planet Green or who, who we'd like to have is someone who's just serious about being excellent because we recognize those people and reward them accordingly. We don't, you know, spread it all, give everyone the same. And we know who our contributors are and we make sure they're well rewarded for it. Um, which is getting harder to do these days because it's not very politically correct to, uh, you know, not hand out trophies to everybody. But um, I think that would be the big thing. We, we value our people a lot and we aspire to be excellent. And not everybody does. A lot of people just want to. And I don't, I'm not talking about other companies. I'm talking about um, individuals looking for work. A lot of people are looking for the easiest way to make a buck, somewhere to show up, or whatever, everyone's hiring. If you enjoy landscaping and you want to work hard, work smart and hone your craft and be really good, have a chance to advance. Those are the people that they're not worth, you know, 10% more than an average employee. They're worth twice as much. So a lot of the payment metrics can kind of go out the window. And I think that landscape foreman, um, in particular, people who are willing to work on site and who can complete a project to a very high level of quality on time and everything, the earning potential there is higher than a lot of licensed trades and, um, you know, without spitting actual numbers because that you have to do a lot of qualifiers there. 
but it's it's unbelievable what those the value they bring to the company so um if you're into landscaping and you work really hard there's a group of people here we all have them at our company i'm not pretending that's exclusive to us but um yeah if, if that's if landscaping is what you like to do and you're local to this area i guess that would no one's going to drive an hour to come actually we do have one person that does but um yeah i would say that if you want to be with people who are trying to be the best that's where to be if you're looking for some place where you can put your hours in and work at a medium rate you're not going to enjoy it here good answer with with all that being said guys um I, I want to ask you guys more so a personal question rather than business related here then. Uh, and that is like with the businesses you've built up until this point, what what has driven you from the very beginning? Like what, what drives you to get up in, in the morning before probably all of your other employees and to try to put the hours in to build whatever it is that this, you know, larger plan is that you're trying to build. Um, Cause it's, it's difficult to be a business owner. And I know I don't need to say that, uh, that just, I'm sure it makes sense for each and every single one of you, but uh, personally, what has driven you from the beginning uh, to build something so difficult in a very difficult industry to be building it in. Uh, and this is, I would, I would say is more personally, like what, what is your, yeah, what is your driving factor that gets you up in the morning and gets you wanting to go, even when you may be experiencing burnout, because at this time of year is when it personally is really trying to starting to hit me. Uh, Chris, do you want to knock things off here? Sure. Um, it's a pretty good question. I mean, I think it's just like back in the day, it used to be, you know, Hey, if I, if I don't come in, nobody else is going to do my job, right. Nobody else is going to get stuff done. So, you know, obviously I loved what I did and coming into work every day and I, and that was part of it, but it was also like, you know, if, if nobody else is, or if I'm not coming in, nobody else is going to do it. Um, so that was part of the motivation, I guess, if you could call it that. Um, it's almost like forced motivation to motivate myself to actually want to come in and do, you know, as much as I do in a day. And then as we grew and we have employees that do a lot of the tasks that I used to do, um, for me or assist me in doing them, um, you know, and me not being in the field anymore and, you know, in the office. And even now, like I find myself just driving around most days and meetings and managing stuff and invoicing and all that stuff that comes with being, being in the office all day. But we have a great office team that is able to do a lot of that for me now. So I can kind of focus on being a business owner and growth and, you know, contingency plans and that type of thing. But I think what motivates me now is like, we have 25 guys that we're providing for and for their families every day. So I need to come in and, you know, my goal every day is, is to get motivated to come in and try to outwork everybody else here. Um, Cause you know, all of them would, would definitely be willing to try to outwork me. And I try to, not make that happen every day and try to do more or do better than anybody else to try to keep uh, motivating myself and motivating everybody else to come in. Cause I feel like if I can, you know, stay motivated and energetic and happy every day and stay positive about things, even when, you know, we have bad weeks or bad days, um, then, then other people are going to be motivated enough to come in and, 
where we're at now as a business is like, it's more important for me to motivate other people than it is to motivate myself. Um, I think I have enough motivations every day that I know about anyway. Um, but you know, it's fun. I love what I do every day. I love owning a business and owning a few different businesses that have different, uh, different end goals. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I love coming to work every day. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Landon, what about you yourself? Well, you said it's a personal question. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I do believe that it's my God given calling to get up and, and work every day and use the abilities I've been given. Um, so I think it probably starts there. I think my motivation has also probably changed a bit over the years in different ways. Now that I have a family, it's ob- very obvious to me that I want to provide for them financially, but maybe more so like just as an example of what good work ethic look, look, looks like, um, how you treat people you work with and who work for you. And also, as we've all referenced how much we appreciate our employees and stuff, when you do appreciate your employees and you see their strengths and abilities, that um, kind of weight or realism that weighs on you that if you're not doing your best, you're holding them back from doing their best as far as providing opportunities and everything else. And it's a really, it can be a bit of an overwhelming thought when you think about the fact that you have these employees, we all talk, we're, we're similar size. Uh-oh, am I still here? No, I don't yeah, know what happened. Like- I can't see you guys, but... Um, we can hear you. Perfect. That's all that matters. Um, no, I was just saying that uh, it's been, I don't even know what I was saying, but I'll just start a new tirade. I was um, thinking about the other day how like I haven't owned, I haven't worked for somebody for 13 years. So you forget what it's like to be an employee essentially. And we reached out to some of our main people and asked them a bunch of questions just to try to understand that again, because you can take a lot of things for granted. So when you value those people as much as you do, you see their abilities. It's, it, I think I was mentioning how it's so humbling to think about the fact that, you know, whether it's two employees, 20 employees or 200 employees, these are people that have made the decision to show up to work every day to help you build your dream. And there's a ton of responsibility that comes with that which is a huge motivator for me. And then just as far as the, I love beautiful landscapes, whether it's um, the design portion, the actual build, the finished project. I think it's something that we're all pretty passionate about here. That's what excites me and motivates me every day. And, and um, you know, I see work that Chris is doing and he's a young guy building a big business. That's very motivational to me. Greg is, uh, him and his partner have an amazing business building beautiful jobs outside the box thinking cool designs that's very motivating so i kind of comes from all different angles but i think wanting to use your abilities and be excellent at what you've chosen to do in life is like the ultimate sort of or overriding motivating factor for me excellent answer and on to greg there greg what drives you yeah my wife and the people in my office are going to probably say it's a flaw but they always you know i'm a people person trying to keep everyone happy right um I've learned in the recent years that, yeah, you got to say no, whether it's the jobs that aren't meant for you or things you can't actually physically do in a day, um, delegating tasks, like, you, you know, you, I'm just trying to keep everyone happy and, and those clients are, 
you know, as, as equally as important as our employees. And I get nothing is more gratifying than getting a, you know, a text or a photo from a client at night of the landscape lighting you just installed that day or doing that walk, final walk around and having a beer with that client that you've just made friends with because you've been, you know, at their house for a month or two, right? Like, um, that's kind of what, what drives me, but it's equally as important to, you know, talking about your employees, you got to treat your employees like your clients, right? Like, um, you, you, you're nothing without them. So I'm super appreciative of, of every person that, uh, that walks in the door for me every day. I'm, I'm still the guy opening the gate, unlocking the gate there every morning. And, uh, like Chris said, yeah, my job mostly now is my office is my truck. I'm driving around from site to site and making sure that, that, Things are going according to plan and, and helping guys with making decisions or getting stuff that they need to keep them moving efficiently. Um, so, yeah, just uh, trying to trying to keep everyone happy there is, is the goal. And, and it's it's enjoyable and rewarding to, to see the success that you've had in um, for us. Yeah, it's been 15 years in the making and to get to that point and the financial success that starts to come in, it, it all kind of encompasses what we just talked about and employees and being able to pay people more and, and make it a career you know that's that's what's satisfying and drives me guys excellent excellent answers and uh i do want to thank you so much for your time through our one-on-one -on -one interviews through this roundtable, sharing your insights and just to get to know uh each and every one of you a little bit more at least virtually but uh, one day in person. Well, I, I've met Chris in person. I've met Greg in person. Landon, one day uh, we'll definitely, or at least maybe meet up all of us too as well. But before we say goodbye, any closing comments, remarks, thoughts that you guys want to share, whether that was, uh, you know, something sparked something in your mind throughout this interview, uh, whether there's just something on your mind about the industry in general, or just any general advice that you would give to somebody today wanting to start and grow a hardscaping landscaping business whatever that might be as well as where can our audience go and find you uh where do you want to direct them to so closing thoughts comments remarks and where do you want to direct our audience to we'll go in opposite order from what i introduced you at the beginning of the episode so starting with landon planet green landscapes i don't really have any compelling final thoughts for you i uh, appreciate you having me on the chat with these guys like i said i'm a huge fan i know chris relatively well we do a bunch of work together and uh so i've got to sort of witness his his business prowess and growth firsthand um greg i i haven't met previously but we've definitely seen a lot of their beautiful work and stuff they're doing so big fans of both of these guys and of course yourself mike and uh appreciate you having me on here as far as where people can find us um planetgreen.ca is our website and at planetgreenlandscapes on Instagram. Thank you, Landon. And on to uh, Chris, Three Seasons Landscapes there. Yeah, um, not too many closing words. I appreciate you taking the time and everybody here taking the time. It was fun to, to chat with you guys. And, um, you know, we hope to <clears throat> see Niagara outdoor out there all the time. And we don't do a ton of stuff down the peninsula, but I'm always watching you guys on Instagram and I think it's funny and, and also kind of neat that all of us have had rebrands done by the same marketing firm. So I think that uh, says a lot about us and, you know, the guy who did the, the marketing for us. Um, 
Shout out Joel of, at Capture. Yeah, Capture Studios. Thanks, Joel. Um, in terms of the, the comment you made about uh, recommendations or words of advice for somebody looking to start um, a landscape business, I'd say, uh, you know, get ready to have a lot of fun and a lot of ups and downs probably every hour or every day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a 10 hill or 10 year uphill battle, just like it is any business, but I'd say specifically in, in the landscape industry, for sure. Like there's so many ups and downs, um, that are in your control and out of your control. So it's something that you just got to ride out and, and enjoy the, the fun and the, the downside of it sometimes, but just know that, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, um, you know, one day you're going to love it. Excellent. Excellent advice. And on to Greg Niagara outdoor. Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. Um, when you got the invite, I thought I was in pretty uh, good company there with, with Chris at three seasons and Landon at Planet Green. Um, they, they're doing awesome work there and, uh, the projects show it. Um, you know, Landon's an expansion of the pool division. I, I would like to chat with him more about that, maybe in a separate conversation. But uh, a lot of our projects are, are involved around pools, and you kick around that idea, you know. So, um, yeah, just other ways to to grow the business and and do things that that work for you in your own business. Um, some advice for for people that are listening there, or business owners trying to grow their team. I would say. Um, you know, just listening to your staff and, 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 you know, they, they need something fixed, get it fixed or something's leaking, get, you know, get it looked at right away. Or they, they say something, you know, make sure they're, they're heard and listen and response and get back to them. Right. So, um, yeah, I think you just kind of put your head down and, and do the grind and, and keep, uh, keep fighting the battle because, uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough industry that we're working in there, and whether you're you're using the right equipment to make it easier, you still are, you know, manually moving something in every day. So it's uh, you're appreciative of those guys. So showing appreciation to them, um, it's only going to help you uh, become successful. Uh, as far as Niagara Outdoor, yeah, NiagaraOutdoor.com and at Niagara Outdoor Facebook, Instagram. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, that is it. And if you're listening to this, go follow each of these guys and uh, bug them to continue to post more and more. That's Greg at Niagara Outdoor, Chris at Three Seasons Landscapes and Landon at Planet Green Landscapes. Uh, you've listened to them one on one in the I'm a Hardscaper interview and now with this roundtable. So, uh, guys, I really do appreciate your time and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Once again, go check out each of their three accounts there. That's Landon at Planet Green Landscapes, Chris at Three Seasons Landscapes, and Greg at Niagara Outdoor. And while you're there, check out Inlight Design on Instagram. That's I-N-L-I-T-E Design on Instagram and see their inspirational page with outdoor lighting and get that conversation started to incorporate outdoor lighting into your projects and cycle cpa cycle underscore cpa on instagram and if you need bookkeeping cfo services or accounting services whatever it might be reach out to them get that conversation started and mention the how to hardscape podcast to get 200 off your package there and we look forward to meeting with you next week on the how to hardscape podcast